Blog Talk Radio. Your hand has reached into the depths of darkness. Your arms pulled me to the light of Your voice spoke the word that broke my heart. Your Burn with holy passion
question so he would know which way was the Lord and which way wasn't and what the Lord's will was. And he did it twice. And I thought about that for a second and it's like, should we really be like, just like putting out fleeces and, you know, sometimes they seem, it seems really easy to put a fleece out and trust the Lord. Um, But then I was thinking, okay, should we have to? And then I thought about in Exodus um, when God was telling um, Moses how to assemble Aaron's garment, there was something called the Urim and Thurim or Thummim or something like that. Um, these two to, these two little things or stones or whatever they were, the Bible doesn't really say that were put in Aaron's breastplate, the breastplate called judgment. And it was somehow used to help communicate back then. And you can see the same reference a few times. And um, I think it's in Leviticus and Numbers. And then again with Samuel or Solomon, one of the two. I think it was Samuel. And um, then it talks about through the Bible about casting lots and how men would cast their lots before the Lord to decide one thing or the other. And then even with with um, Jonah, and he's on the boat, and the people who have different gods, not the Lord God, the one true God, um, cast lots to figure out, well, who offended, who's God, and the lot fell on Jonah. And then if you go even further until the New Testament, the disciples cast lots to figure out who would be the 12th disciple apostle after Barnabas um, betrayed Jesus and left and died. And so they cast lots and it's like, okay, so why did they need to? Why did they need to cast lots to hear the voice of God? You know, in the Old Testament, I understand because not everybody could hear the voice of God. Um, there was prophets and prophets came along and prophets were speaking on behalf of the Lord to the people. And, you know, something that occurred to me today is that a majority of the times that the Lord gave a word to a prophet, it wasn't pleasant. It wasn't, okay, God didn't usually tell a prophet, get up and go tell this um, king how great he's doing and go tell this person and this nation that they're doing a great job now usually it was because of judgment and god warning of judgment and god and his judgment was always tempered with mercy as far as the same thing that he said since the beginning which is choose this day between life and death choose which gods you're going to serve choose life or choose death and he would pronounce judgment on these nations and say turn from your wicked ways and i'll bless you if you don't turn from your way to what is there'll be judgment. And so we had prophets and we still have prophets. The only difference is back then there was only a select few people from what the Bible looks like it says that the Holy Spirit would come upon and they would prophesy the words of the Lord. But not everybody. So people would cast lots before the Lord um, to figure out what the Lord's will was. And the interesting thing about it is, 
I didn't realize until today how much faith it takes because they would, you wouldn't think it does, but it does because you take two items, whatever they are, and you cast them down, you know, like, hey, Lord, if it's this, then this is the way, and if it's this, this is the way, and you're in charge, and you know how it's going to land, and we're trusting you. You know, it'd be the same as flipping a coin, and then flipping a coin, like, okay, God, whichever way it's going to land, I'm going to follow it, and I'm going to trust that it's your will, because you can control this coin as it's in the air, and you know what the outcome is going to be, and I'm trusting you. And I thought, you know, that really takes a lot of faith, not just to, not to toss the coin, but to actually trust afterwards that it was still the Lord. And you would think there has to be an easier way to hear the voice of God. The funny thing is, is the, thought of, the thought of, I mean, the idea of casting lots and of needing something to help communicate with God or needing one man to go in before the Lord. So you could hear the will of God stopped on the day of Pentecost. Because right after the disciples cast lots, immediately in the next chapter of the book of Acts, was the day of Pentecost, where they were all gathered in one accord in one place, and there was a sound like of a rushing mighty wind, and the Holy Spirit came and descended upon them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The difference being that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon a prophet, but in the New Testament, he came in them and filled them up from the inside, becoming one, in a sense, as Jesus said, so that the disciples went from having to cast lots to know the will of God to them saying, well, we did this because it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us because it became a friend, not just a God that's far out there and not just just a God they heard about or a God they, they worship, but he was too far away. He was their friend. He was their companion someone they trusted intimately with every aspect of their life. You know, we talk about um, trusting the Lord and, you know, the Bible even says in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. But even then, you can go to five million Christian friends to find out what their opinion is of a situation that you're having. And that's fine. And it's okay. And you could directly even still cast lots and trust God that he's going to give you the right answer. But how much better it would be to be able to hear his voice. To spend enough time with him that you can distinguish his voice. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow seems into the society we live in, the times we live in, it's too easy to not hear his voice because there's too many things to distract it. I was reading in the Old Testament today about um, idolatry and about how people have taken things and put them in their heart as idols um, that came between them and the Lord. And, you know, we think of idols as something that someone got a piece of metal and they carved it into some image and 
you know, then they bowed down and said, this is my God. And, you know, an idol isn't just that. An idol can be almost anything. And I would go so far to say that there's a million countless things in this world that we can have to take his place to keep our mind focused just the slightest bit from him. He said in um, Joshua, meditate on this word day and night, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have this success. Don't turn to the right and don't turn to the left. Have I not commanded you? As I spoke to Moses, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he gave all these words to Joshua. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. And how would it be? How awesome would it be if we as a body of believers could focus a majority of our attention upon the Lord? Of learning to hear his voice of learning to hear his heart, of learning to hear him speak to us. But it takes time. You know, it talks about even in the sacrifice of praise, and it says to present your body as a living sacrifice to the Lord, which is a reasonable service. But then there's also the sacrifice of time, which isn't a sacrifice whatsoever. If you consider the thing you get out of it, which is him, which is a better relationship, which is a better understanding, which is a better discernment, the ability to recognize his voice when he calls, when he says anything. You know, it's in um, the New Testament that Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy that was set before him. And in another place, it says, in your presence is fullness of joy. And I always wondered when it said the fullness of joy for the joy that was set before him. The joy that was set before him, what does that really mean? Was it us? And partially, yes. But also the fact of being in his father's presence. Once again, there's no joy that can be compared to the presence of God. There's nothing on this earth that can compare to his presence. No excitement, no anything that can compare to what it's like being in the presence of the Most High God. And we, through the Holy Spirit, have that ability, have that opportunity, have that privilege to enter into his presence. It said, come boldly to the throne of grace in which you're accepted in the time of need. It said he has made a way through the veil of his flesh. You know, there used to be a veil between in the temple that would separate the presence of the Most High God from the rest of the world. So that only one man can go in there once a year. And they would even have to tie a rope around 
his ankle just in case he had some kind of sin and he ended up dying in the presence of God because of the sin and he was consumed. They could pull him out. And he was the only one who was allowed to go in there once a year. And then on the day of Jesus' crucifixion, the veil of that temple was torn in two. Signifying that there's no more veil that we all have free access into his presence. That you don't need to go find someone for you to seek him out. He said, call upon me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things you know not of. He said, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. talks about a joy that's inexpressible and full of glory. A joy that can only be found in the presence of God. You know, it's like we said the other day, you can listen to five million sermons and it'll never compare to what the Holy Spirit can reveal to you in just a little bit of time spent in his word. says in Second Corinthians you know we covered some of this but I'm going to last um, on Sunday but I'm just going to read all of this it says do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need uh, some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you you are our epistle written in our hearts known and read by all men Clearly, you're an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit, by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is the heart. And it goes on to say, and we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves, to think anything is being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. You know, you can read this word and you can take it and you can search through it and not have anything and not find anything and not get any revelation and not get any life out of it without the Holy Spirit bringing it to life. Because it's the Holy Spirit who brings this word to life in you. Jesus said, you search the scriptures for in them, you think you have life, but you won't come to me. And the only way to come to him is through the Holy Spirit. It says, but if the ministry of death, talking about the law, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadily look at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. 
and it's talking about Moses when he went up to the mountain and he was in the presence of God and he got the Ten Commandments written on tablets on, or God wrote on these tablets with his finger and he brought them down and his face was glowing from the presence of the Lord. But it was a covenant that was passing away to be replaced by the real covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ and the righteousness which comes through faith in Christ. It says in verse 8, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is so much more glorious. You know, it says that the the law was put in place as our tutor to make us realize that we were unable to be righteous on our own and that we needed a savior that we needed, you know, in the old Testament, someone to go in once a year to sacrifice for the sins of the people. But now he is all in one sacrificed himself for the sins of the entire world. That there is no more need for a sacrifice because he's done it all. There's nothing you can do to earn your way into heaven because he's already done it. There's nothing you can do to make yourself more righteous because our righteousness doesn't come from, I mean, he, Jesus, I mean, God said our righteousness is like filthy rags. The only righteousness we can have comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done. It says, therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses who put a veil over his face, so that the children of Israel could not steadily look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You know, you can try as much as possible to get rid of whatever things that you're struggling with, if you have sin or anything. You know, you can try all you want to get rid of an addiction, and you'll almost always certainly fail. But when you come to the Lord, he can release you. He can free you in an instant. It says, but we all with unveiled faces behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. You know, it says later in um, chapter 4, verse 7, it says, but we have this treasure in earth and vessels that the excellence of the power of God may be of God and not of ourselves. 
you know, tonight. You have free access into his presence. Into the joy that's inexpressible and full of glory. If you're not saved and you don't know the Lord, the first step is to know him. The first step is to accept that he died for your sins and was then raised from the dead to accept that he died for your sins, that you can be forgiven and have eternal life. If you do know the Lord, the first step is to get before him and get in his presence. It's not enough to just have a little bit of the Lord. You can be content with just a tiny portion of him, and he'll be fine with that. There's no condemnation in that. But there's so much more you can have. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, when I was um, a child, you know, the Bible says when you're a child, you speak as a child, but when you grow up, you put away child's things. When I was a child, I would have never imagined that you could have a real relationship with him, that you could really converse with him, that you could really talk to him and he would talk back, and that you could really know God. And, you know, he seemed like this person so far away on the outer edges of the universe. But he's not that far away. He's as close as the words coming out of your mouth. He's as close as the Bible that's before you. As Adam and Eve walk with the Lord. So you too can walk with him. So you too can have a relationship with him. It doesn't have to just be a pastor up on stage who knows the Lord. The same Holy Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you. If you see someone who needs to be healed, and we talked about this last week, you don't they don't need to go to find some healing minister to pray for them because you can pray for them. Because you can walk up to them, trust the word of God, and this is by his stripes where you're healed, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And you can heal, and you can pray for them, and God will heal them. All it takes is faith and obedience and the tiniest bit of trust in the Lord that he's able to do everything that he said he did. If you know someone who doesn't know the Lord, who's not saved, you can invite him to church, and that's fine. And it's great. But you could also... Be the person to walk up to them and tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says we're ambassadors of reconciliation, as if God was reconciling the world through us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. The glory of God. The revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. The knowledge of him who sits at the right hand of the Father. 
who became sin for us, that we could walk in newness of life, that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Every one of you have that ability. Every one of you have the ability to walk before in the presence of the Most High and intercede on behalf of your friends and your family and your nation because there's no difference. Father, for all those who are listening tonight, you know, um, hasn't exactly been the message I plan on talking about, and it seems like a really quick, simple message, Father, but as always, the most important thing is for them to know you. The most important thing is for them to know the hope they have in you. The most important thing is for them to know that there's more of you and that you're available. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would fill the hearts of every single person listening, Lord. That you would give them a hunger and thirst for your word, Father. You would give them a hunger and thirst to seek after your presence, Father. You would burn in them a desire for intimacy with you, Lord. That you would begin to open their ears, Father. You begin to open their ears, Father, that they could hear your voice. Father, that you would draw them into your presence, Lord, wherever they're at, Father. Whether they're in their little prayer room, Father, or whether at Starbucks, Lord, that you would reveal your presence to them. And give them complete revelation, Father of the fact that you're always there. Give them revelation and the assurance, Father, that you're always there, that you'll never leave them nor forsake them, Father. Father, this there's always going to be evil in this world. But there's also always you. like I heard earlier tonight where someone said you know tragedy and evil always will happen and if there wasn't evil there the good wouldn't there wouldn't be any reason for the good and father as long as we're here father your word declares that it's not your will that any should perish that all should come to repentance Father, from the north, the south, and the east, and the west, Lord, that you would bring up, rather, raise up prophets, raise up evangelists, raise up pastors and teachers. Father, raise up men and women of God who are not ashamed to call you their God. Father, who are not ashamed to bear your name. Father, who are not ashamed to carry your banner from one corner of the earth to the other. Father, that you would burn your desires and passion, Father, into the children. Father, to the adults, Lord. Father, that you would raise up a generation of people, Lord, who seek your face. Father, who go out and do things not because they feel like they need to, Father, but because they love you, Father. Lord, that you would give them the revelation, Father, that they don't have to try to do things for you, Father, that just being in your presence is enough, Lord. Lord. 
to reveal your presence to the world, Lord, that we bear your presence wherever we go, Father, that your Holy Spirit is with us wherever we go. Father, give them confidence to know that you're with them wherever they go. Father, that you would place an anointing on every single one of them, Father. Lord, that you would give them hope and assurance, Father, of the things that you have called for them to do, Father, that each and every one of them have a plan and a purpose. Jesus, you said that's your will, that we would have life and have it more abundantly, but Father, you also said that you know the thoughts we think you think of us as good and and not to be able to give us a future and a hope when you said you know the plans that you think of us. Not only to prosper us and to bless us, Father, but to use us. Father, wherever we're at, Lord, use us as an example to not only the unbelievers, but also the believers alike, Father. To reveal your heart to the nations, to reveal the Lord Jesus Christ to the world. So um, this is for International Radio. I'm going to cut it short tonight. We'll be back tomorrow at um, 1030. If you need prayer, um, Email us at prayerinternational at gmail.com and have a good night.